if Jesus is here, if Jesus is good, and if Jesus is Lord, that changes everything. Everything about our stories, everything about our challenges, everything about our victories, it changes everything if Jesus is here, if he's good, and if he's Lord. Listen, over these past few weeks, we've been exploring these three ideas. I believe that they are the three main characteristics or attributes of who Jesus is. And we'll, let's say them together. Come on, can we do it one more time? Jesus is here, Jesus is good, and Jesus is Lord. And we've been using the illustration that these three characteristics of Jesus are really like three legs on a three-legged stool, right? Like if you take one of these off, what's gonna happen? It's gonna fall over. If you even like cut one of them short, so like, I mean, I'm still trying to wrap my, my mind around the goodness or the lordship or the presence of Jesus, it, it makes everything unstable. Like our, our, our thoughts and our belief about Jesus need to be complete. And these three ideas really help us bring like a sense of completion and understanding to who Jesus really is. He is here, present with us at all times in every circumstance. And he's good. He is for you, not against you. And he is Lord. All authority in heaven and earth are his. So these three ideas are very, very central. Very, each one is critical and each one is supported by the other ones. That's why this image is so helpful. What we've been doing now over the last week and now today and next week is we're, we're kind of unpacking and diving deeper into each one of these three to help us bring a better understanding. And today we are talking about, if you could have guessed during worship, he is good, that he is for us and not against us. Now, when we say that Jesus is good, it's kind of like using a code, okay? Because there's a lot contained within that idea. So when we just say Jesus is good, we're actually kind of reminding ourselves that, that his character, his nature is good. Like who he is is good. But also his mission is good. And you know what else is good? His message is good. Everything about him is good. His nature, his mission, and his message, all of it, it's just good. As we just saying, he can't be anything else. It's like when we think about, well, sometimes I'm good, but then there's other times we know we are not. You know, there's brokenness, there's sin, there's, there's still things we are working through. But when we say Jesus is good, he is all good. There is nothing within his character, his nature, his mission, or his message that is not perfectly, perfectly and wonderfully good. Think for a moment about his nature. Just the nature of Jesus. What we know to be true about him, both just reading deeply into the Gospels and uh, seeing how he interacted with people and then his message and then even as those first believers were reflecting back, this is who Jesus is. What are some of the things we know are true about his nature? He is faithful. He is never gonna let us go. Never gonna let us down. He's loving. He is kind. He is gracious when we don't deserve it, which is like all the time. Thank God for his grace, for his mercy. 
But we also know that he is a just God and that Jesus is one who seeks after justice. Both in our stories and in, in all stories, he seeks after justice. And he is generous, sacrificing his very life for us. He's given us all good things. And on top of all of that, he forgives us. He forgives us for our sin, offers us salvation. This is the nature of Jesus. All of these things is wrapped up in that code. Oh, Jesus is good. But also his mission is good. When Jesus was just stepping into ministry, he was invited to speak at a synagogue and he was handed this scroll. It was the book of Isaiah from the prophet Isaiah. And he turns to, to this scripture in Isaiah. And this is what he says. This captured in Luke 4, 18 through 19. And he's speaking this of himself, fulfilling this prophecy that Isaiah had spoke. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring, what kind of news? Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Like all through the Old Testament, all these prophets, they're like looking forward to the time they just kept talking about it and proclaiming it and God's spirit was like calling it forth out of their, these prophetic statements. But Jesus is saying, I'm here and I'm good. And this is my mission. This is what I am all about. This is why I have come. The God you have been looking for, the Messiah you've been crying out for, even in years of oppression, I'm here. Come and see who I really am. And in that text too, he said he anointed me to bring good news. So we know that when we say Jesus is good, we're talking about his nature. We're talking about his mission and we're talking about his message. Everything about Jesus is good all the way down. You won't find anything else. Now, this morning I kind of had a, a choice. Like, you know, like, you know, we could turn this kind of like into a classroom lecture, uh, you know, where we just like start now unpacking each of those and like go into detail and 100 bullet points. Or we could look at one story from the life of Jesus that helps him see, that helps us see his goodness in some beautiful and deep ways, and I chose the story. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Stories are good. Stories help us capture the reality of something in ways that sometimes just teaching about it doesn't. So we're gonna dive into a story, and this story is actually one that if you've been reading along in our 260 New Testament reading, reading through the 260 chapters in the New Testament, you read this story just a couple of weeks ago. It's from Luke chapter seven. So we're just gonna dive in and read it and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Luke seven, verses, starting in verse 11, says this. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. A young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. 
Isn't that amazing? And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were filled with awe and praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us. And God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. I bet it did. Now, with this, we could have chosen one of many different stories about Jesus, but this particular story like, just so captured my attention. It's almost like a highlight reel of the goodness of Jesus. You know what a highlight reel is, right? I mean, we're, we're like approaching the end of the football season. It's almost Super Bowl. And so, you know, like, if you like tune into ESPN, they're showing you all the highlight reels of all the key players. And guess what? This is like a highlight reel of Jesus' goodness on display. So what we're gonna do is, kind of like ESPN commentator, right? We're gonna replay this story, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna like pause five times and look and say, check this out. Check out, do you see how God's goodness is represented through Jesus' ministry and who he is right, right here? You ready? ready? First thing is that it says that there was these Two large crowds, just kind of painting the picture. It says that there was this large crowd following Jesus. But there was also a large crowd, it says, coming out of the village. Now, the large crowd that was with Jesus, like, this is his posse, or bigger than a posse. This is like his entourage. He had all these people. It says a large crowd. There was all, and I don't know how many, but like in other places when it says large crowds gathered, like then he ended up feeding thousands of people. So I don't know how large this crowd was, but it was big. This is a big, big crowd. And imagine what their conversation would have been like. Oh man, we're going into another village. This is gonna be awesome. Do you remember what Jesus just did? Do you remember what he said Man, do you remember that Pharisee's jaw just dropping? Like, couldn't believe Jesus said that. That was awesome. You know, and he's talking about, you know, the, building your house on the rock or on the sand. And he's like, dude, you, you're all sandy. Like, what's wrong with your life? I mean, they're like, they're joking with each other. They're happy. They're joyful. People are getting healed. I mean, just all these incredible things are happening. And that's the spirit that would have been like within this crowd. Like, what's going to happen next? Right? But then there's this other large crowd. And they just like come face to face with each other, like meeting right at the gate of this village. And the, this other crowd would have had the absolute opposite of emotion going on within them. Because there was a lady, a woman in their village who had suffered a horrific tragedy. And so they were bearing her pain. They understood how grievous this was, how terrible this situation was. And so they were walking with this woman on the long walk outside of the village to lay her son, her only son, to rest. That just paints the picture of where then Jesus' goodness comes on display. The first thing that we see about Jesus' goodness as we kind of like hit pause in the story is this very simple idea. He sa it says that Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. Like, it could sound kind of obvious because she was, you know, it's like, well, of course Jesus would have seen her. She was probably the one crying the loudest, right? But here's out of this large crowd, it says that he saw her. Listen, there's no wasted words in scripture. So when you see something like that, say, you, you might underline it and go, that's, that's interesting. What we find is that oftentimes, it points out that Jesus saw people that others didn't. Here is this crowd, but he sees her. 
there's this like identification, this like locking eyes, like, no, I see you. Here was a, a woman who it says was already had been visited by tragedy because it says that she was a widow. And in that culture, that would have meant that in all likelihood, her life as she knew it had already been over. Because in that culture, very, very often, almost always, it would have been her husband, her deceased husband, who probably would have been like the primary breadwinner. He was the one like bringing resource into the house. It's how they lived. But he'd already died. But she had an insurance policy. She had a son. And again, in that culture, that meant that as her son, that as he grew and as he became employed and as he began making money, that one day he would be able to invite her into his home to provide for her in her latter years. He was the only insurance policy that she had. And now he was gone. Everything had been stripped away from her. And this was not only economic loss, but now her only son was gone. They were carrying him at this moment to his grave. She would have been like beyond hopeless, beyond broken. And I mean, we can't even like maybe imagine all that was going on in her. There was no social security system. And at this point, there wasn't even a church. Remember what the church did, the early church? What did they do? They cared for widows. There wasn't those systems yet in place. So she was like beyond broken in despair at this moment. And Jesus sees her. He always sees. It's part of his goodness. And he sees you. In whatever place you are right now, he sees you. King David actually reflected on this amazing quality of God's goodness that he sees, that he's like watching over me. And it's in Psalm 56 that David writes some words he's, he's been reflecting on that he's under oppression, that he's being harassed. Listen to how David responds in this psalm as he now begins talking to God. He says, you've kept track of all my wandering and weeping. (laughs) You've stored my many tears in your bottle. Not one will be lost. I mean, that's a crazy picture right there. That not only like is God like watching like he's some distant observer, like he's in heaven and he's just like, oh, keep my eye on everybody. No, he's, he's, David is saying he sees me so personally and so deeply that every tear that I shed, like he's like, oh, I've got that. I've got that. It's, it's right here. I'm keeping that as a remembrance of what you are going through. Because then he goes on and he says, for they are all recorded in your book of remembrance. So not only is he seeing me, but he's remembering, like in the moment, right? Like he's seeing me, like he's seeing Tim right here and he goes, okay, I see you, I, I see you. I see what you're doing, you're up there, blah, 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 blah. But he doesn't only see me, but he remembers my yesterday, And he remembers my childhood and he remembers every place of my challenge and my pain and my sorrow and all hard things I've gone through. They are recorded in his book of remembrance. And then David says, the very moment I call to you for a father's help, the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee. This one thing I know, God is on my side. God is on my side. 
How many of you really want to know God is on your side? Well, he is. He is good. And he sees you. He sees everything you're going through. Call out to him for a father's help. Because he is there. He sees what is going on. The second thing that we see in this story is that not only did Jesus see her, but it says that his heart overflowed with compassion for her. Overflowed with compassion. Listen, compassion is different from sympathy. Like we know what sympathy is. You like, we really feel sorry about a bad thing someone is going through. And it can be very genuine just having that heart of sympathy, like feeling sad for someone else. Compassion is different than just feeling sorry. Compassion is a deeper emotion. It is, it is more tied to empathy, like where I actually am feeling the very pain that you're going through. Like, I understand what, you, what is going on. If you've ever gone through a trauma, right, and then you find someone else that is going through a trauma, there's that empathy. Some of you know the story that a number of years ago I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, had my thyroid removed as part of that healing process. The coolest thing is when someone finds that out and then I get this random call from someone saying, I I heard you went through this. That's something I'm going through right now. Oh my goodness. And then all of a sudden, you know, all the emotion, all the, like, I can empathize with them. I know right where they are and I know the questions that they're probably asking because they were the same ones I asked. There's this deep, there's a deep empathy when you've gone through something that you can empathize with others who are going through that same thing. Well, here's Jesus, an only son, looking at this woman, and he knows he's headed to the cross. He knows the, he knows it all. He knows everything that is going on within her heart and in her story. And so when it says that His heart overflowed with compassion. Compassion has to do with this empathizing. I get you. I understand. But compassion also has a second part to it. It's not only empathizing. It's also this readiness to step in and help to bring that issue to an end. Like I'm personally, if you have compassion, that means I'm gonna do whatever it takes. You come across someone that's in a point of need, it's like you're grabbing for your wallet, not just your handkerchief, right? Nobody carries handkerchief, Kleenex. You're not just just sad like, oh, I empathize for you. No, you're like grabbing your wallet because I'm gonna do whatever it takes. That's compassion. You feel it, but then you're like called to action. And it says that about Jesus here that his heart overflowed, overflowed with compassion. Jesus doesn't just feel sorry for my pain. He feels it. And he's ready to take action. And that takes us actually to the third part of this little short story. The third thing we see about Jesus' goodness is that he took action, moved By compassion, he took action. Now, we're gonna get in a moment, right, like to the resurrection part. It was like, woo, this is awesome. But you know what? Before he spoke and spoke life back into that boy who was dead, he did something else. The first action it said he did, it says that he reached and he touched the coffin. He touched the coffin Listen, everybody in both of those crowds would have known the significance of that. Because in Jewish culture and in Jewish religion, you did not reach out and touch coffins. That was associated with and like equal to like touching someone who was dead. Now, if you've ever read through the Old Testament and there's all these laws and there's all these rules, there's all these regulations that God had placed upon his people, oftentimes, saving them from like sickness and 
disease. Like It's like, why couldn't they eat pork? Well, they didn't have all the same health things that we have now and all the same FDA standards and you know, all the stuff the, you know, that, that monitors things so that we don't get sick when we eat pork. Like, God was looking out for them. And they didn't have antibacterial soaps and stuff like that. So when God was saying, like, don't touch dead things, he was, like, speaking life to them. Like, hey, I want to protect you. So when Jesus reaches out and touches the coffin, he immediately, in their religion and culture, would have immediately become ceremonially unclean. Like he would have had to have gone through this lengthy process to make things right between him and God again. But here he was. He is God. And he is good. And what Jesus was doing, because he, he didn't have to do that, right? He could have just stood back and said, boy, up. But he, he does something. And I believe the reason that he reaches over and touches this coffin is because he's signaling something. He's signaling to these two large crowds, you think you know what God's kingdom is all about. But I'm here to redefine your understanding of God's kingdom. Because the kingdom that I am bringing in is no longer just a Jewish kingdom. Right, that, that got us to where we are, but it's not gonna get us to where I'm leading you. He says, no, my kingdom is based on love and it's based on faith and it's based on doing good. And so here's Jesus taking action, doing good by saying, hey, stop. Reaches out and touches this coffin and you can just hear in these two crowds, this collective, what's going on? Jesus, you're not supposed to do that. But I think he's sending this message. I will do good at all times, in every situation. Listen, this is why Jesus chose to do so many of his miracles, when? On the Sabbath, right? Oh, and everybody with a religious spirit got so upset at him, like, you can't do that. You can't heal people on the Sabbath. That's work. You're supposed to rest. Don't you go around healing people. Why did he do it? Because continually he was holding up to them. He said, no, 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 no. My kingdom is different than what you think it is. I am redefining God's goodness for you right here and right now. So in the same way, he takes action. And the action he takes it's helping them redefine what goodness looks like. It's not only about following all the rules and regulations. Yes, he has things, commands, the word to follow. We'll talk more about that next week. But it's defined by his love and doing good for our neighbors. So he takes action. Then the fourth thing that we see is that Jesus does bring resurrection life right back to this boy. He doesn't leave him dead. He says, young man, I tell you, get up. And it says, then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. What would he have said in that moment? Like, we're not sure of his age, but it calls him a boy. He wasn't yet a man, probably wasn't in that, like, working, you know, era of his life. Probably was still, you know, let's, let, let's say he's 10, 11, 12. And, man, this kid is like, whoa! <laughs> you should have just seen what I saw, you know? I don't know what he said when he sat up, but someday I believe you can ask him. Because I believe this boy like, was a follower of Jesus all the way through because whatever he saw in those hours that he, he had experienced death, man, he sits up and begins to speak. Now, listen, I know that I'm not supposed to talk about the lordship of Jesus until next week, okay? That's coming. 
But I want you to be sure of this. Nothing is impossible for Jesus. And everything he does is good. Nothing is impossible and all he does is good. Can I tell you, that is a powerful combination. When Jesus says, my resurrection power is available for you and I'm not afraid to use it. Did you catch that? My resurrection power, all of the power of the universe, all the power to defeat hell and death and brokenness and addiction and anything else you're going through, he says, my resurrection power is available to you and I am not afraid to use it. Woo! Paul talks about this multiple places, but in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, he captures this idea so beautifully as he's talking to his friends, writing to his friends, and he says this. He says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. I I love those words. I'm telling you, they are so deeply meaningful. He is praying that they will come to understand, meaning that like it's not intuitive. We can forget. We may not always understand, but he's saying, I'm praying for you. When I think about my friends in Ephesus, I am praying for them that that there would be this supernatural revelation that you would like come to understanding of God's great power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Wow. His resurrection power that is available to us who believe. Whatever we're going through, his goodness represented in that resurrection power is available for each one of us. And then we come to the fifth and final insight, this pause the story one more time, to this interesting thing that it says that Jesus did. Jesus restores relationship. It says that Jesus gave the boy back to his mother. Now again, like it says when Jesus saw her, it's like, isn't that obvious? Like where else would the boy go, you know? It's like, boy, raised from the dead, jumps back in his mother's arm, news at 11. It's like, it's not really news. It's like, of course that's what would happen, of course. But Luke is highlighting something. And the picture that he gives, how would Jesus have given him back to his mother? Think about that. How would he have given him back to his mother? Jesus went and picked him up. Jesus went and like picked him up out of that coffin. You do not belong there. The only way that Jesus could have given him back is if he would have held him for a moment. (laughs) Isn't that cool? Jesus walks over and takes this boy down from this coffin that had been being carried. And he hugs him, he embraces him. And then he's, he's looking for mama. And he's like, I have someone who wants to see you. And in that moment, Jesus restores her heart this heart that had been broken and shattered by these circumstances of life. But he not only restores her heart, he restores her family. Man, God is in the business of restoring. What do you need to be restored? That he's like, because of my goodness and because I remember and I know the places you've been broken, I want to restore what has been broken. What? What needs restoration in your story? Your heart? Maybe your family? 
maybe a season of life where you were in such despair, you were doing things that hurt other people and now things are just shattered. Jesus wants to restore that. For others, he wants to like restore a dream. Like a dream that you had, but it like things have now gone on and like it just seems impossible. How, I, I, I don't even wanna think about that dream anymore. Some of you, he wants to restore a ministry that like was birthed in your heart, it was birthed in your story, like, man, this is what Jesus has called me to do. But again, time has gone on, things have like ripped at that, like there's no way that I could ever do that. And I believe that Jesus wants to speak a restoring word, saying, listen, I'm good, and I'm good at restoring and bringing restoration, healing, So in this very short story that literally was just only a few minutes of Jesus' life on earth, now we see these five things about the goodness of Jesus. And we personalize them. We, we understand that he, because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, like we, we know that these five things are true for us as well. That he sees us. He knows us. That he's overflowing with compassion for us. Not just sorry for our places of brokenness, but like empathizes, feels it, and then is moved to action. And that was the third thing we saw is that Jesus takes action. He steps in and oftentimes defies things that we even thought, like, what, what are you doing, Jesus? But he shows up because of his love. And then all of his resurrection power available to us, to me, to you. And then finally, he's working to bring restoration to every part of our story that is left undone, that is broken, that we never thought was possible to see restored. He is the restorer. So good. I wanna finish in just the next couple of minutes by saying how should we respond to God's goodness? Now last week, when we talked about God's presence, Jesus is here, talked about five different things to like activate our awareness. And it, I, I, to me, those were very helpful. But today we're gonna make it even simpler. I wanna just give you two things. But they're not just to be aware of his goodness. I believe to really understand his goodness that we have to participate in it. Well, what do you mean? Well, let me tell you. It's based out of the, a scripture Again, David, Psalm 34, 8. You know what he said? Taste and see that the Lord is good. What? Like little food network wisdom here for us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I believe that those words of David, he is pointing to something really profound that you cannot just hear about God's goodness and really come to an understanding. You have to eat it. You have to, per, you have to like become an active participant in this. Like somebody can tell you about a flavor. Somebody can tell you about like some really good thing. Like I went to Israel a couple of times and you know what they put on the bread there? They have this like amazing like flatbread. It's like warm and yummy and so good. But you know, they put a little olive oil and then they, they sprinkle zatar on that. It's the seasoning. It's like, my mouth is watering right now, even thinking about the flavor. But you know what? If you hadn't had that warm flatbread with a little olive oil and then like sprinkle with zatar, you have no idea. Literally, you have no idea how awesome it is. Taste and see. You have to participate in God's goodness to come to understand it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
So two things that I want you to just think about in these closing moments to help you participate in the goodness of God, to come to a real understanding of it. Number one, be thankful. Be thankful. And I'll even add another word in there. Be intentionally thankful. Listen, Jesus has given us everything we have. He's given us the breath in our lungs, right? He's given us our very lives. He's given us our salvation. He does all things well. He is good. How could we not, like all the time, like just be in complete thankfulness for who he is? But we're not. In fact, we read this week in our 260 this little story about Jesus healing 10 men who had leprosy. Healed them. Like their lives were over. They were headed to the grave. They were cast out of their community. I mean, their, their lives were done in a very horrific, miserable way. 10 of them, Jesus heals. It says one of the 10 came back and said, Jesus, thank you. One out of 10. Maybe there's a clue there that we're only about 10% as thankful as we really should be because he has done everything for us. So how do we become more intentionally thankful? Well, we do it with intention. We have to stop and think about what is going on in our life and our story in order to recognize, oh, Jesus, you are good. Yes, I faced this dark thing. Yes, there are times when it feels like the night is holding on to me. But God, I see where you have been holding on to me. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. And oftentimes for me, it is during worship, as we worship in song, and those lyrics like capture something of the reality of who Jesus is that causes me to pause to stop. Sometimes you'll see me just drop to my knees like when we're singing. Why? Because God is like reminding me deeply that he's good. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that you never let me go. Thank you that you were on my side. Thank you that your resurrection power is not only available to me, but I saw it show up in this incredible way. Be thankful. Some other people have found real like help in just doing a thankfulness journal. Like maybe you're, you like to like write stuff down. Come to the end of each day and just write like two or three sentences but you have to stop, pause, and be intentional about thinking through. Jesus, thank you. You helped me through that hard conversation. Lord, it worked. Thank you for helping me to make that sale, right? Jesus, thank you that I saw something in my kids today that was really special. Or thank you when I saw something that was very unspecial in my kids. <laughs> that you helped me like to have just a, enough wisdom to make it through that moment to help pull them out of that place of hardship. Just pause to be thankful, to reflect Here's the other thing. One is to be thankful. The other is to actually do good. I don't know if you remember, but like there's this thing called the fruit of the spirit. Starts out strong. Like we all, we all remember. What's the fruit of the spirit? Uh, love, joy, peace, and then the rest of them. One of the other fruit of the spirit, you know what it is? Goodness. As you're filled with God, as his spirit begins to take over more and more of your story, you know what, he, what God wants to make you? He wants to make you good. He wants to have goodness coming from your life just as it did Jesus. So you know what? We are called by God to do good. What does that look like? What does it, what does it look like to actually do good? You can come up with a lot of stories, but I've got one for you. There's a couple that I'm very close to. And it was several years ago when they had children in high school that their kids became aware that there was a brother and sister that were in 
really dire, dire need. Um, they were technically orphaned. Their mom had just died of alcohol poisoning and their father was in prison. And yet these, now so there's these two high schoolish age kids. And this couple stepped in as like surrogate parents in so many different ways to help them navigate the hardest season of their life that these kids had ever gone through. And I, but I'm not gonna detail all the good things that they did. I wanna jump forward about 10 years because it was just recently, because they've stayed in contact over all these years, reaching out, helping. They're, they're still single, now in their uh, mid to later 20s. And the husband of this couple, I think, asked one of the most brilliant questions. Asked his wife, he said, what obstacle are they facing right now that we could help them get over? What a brilliant question. And you know what they realized? That they realized that as these young people had kind of grown up and trying to you know, go through life, they'd never gotten their driver's licenses. And so, you know, not having been behind the wheel or whatever, they paid for them to each one go through, not just driver's training class, but like driver's education, like actually get behind a wheel, was several hundred dollars for each of them to go through this like comprehensive course so that they could get their licenses because they knew that like, if they don't have their licenses, their, their like world is gonna be really, really small. How could we help them take the next step? So I just want you to encourage you with this idea. Same thing, that he asked his wife. And you can think about this for anybody in your circle, anybody that you know, right? Maybe a coworker, could be a neighbor, right? Could be a distant family member, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a young person in your neighborhood that God has like put them on your heart. What obstacle are they facing that you could help them overcome? I don't know if there's any other question that if you answer that and then do it, if you take action because of the compassion that God gives you in your heart for them, you see them, you have compassion for them, you take action, you let something of Jesus' resurrection power flow through you, you work somehow restoratively on their behalf, I'm telling you, you're gonna be doing good. You may even get it wrong, you're still gonna be doing good. Like meaning, you're not gonna get it right all the time. Don't worry about that, just keep doing good. What obstacle is someone facing that you can help them overcome? Do good, be thankful, do good, taste and see that the Lord is good. Friends, Jesus is good. He is here, he is good. And he's Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, I just want to pause even right now and just express thankfulness to you. Lord, for how you have shown up so many times in my story. Speaking to me something that I needed to, to hear organizing things in my life to help get me where I needed to go. And Jesus, I also wanna say thank you that you've placed people in my life who have been good to me. Just like that couple who have continued for a decade plus being good to this young man and this young woman. God, you have put people in my life over and over and over again who have been good to me, my parents, my wife, my friends, so many people that are part of this church family that have been good to me. Lord, thank you that you do that. Thank you, Lord, that you see me 
that you see each one of us and you are working on our behalf to do good. Thank you for that. And Jesus, I pray right now for any who are here that need a touch of your goodness. Just whatever situation they're in the middle of or trying to rebound from, and it's hard, it's difficult, it's troubling, it is painful. Jesus, we just declare you are good. Our life circumstance does not dictate who you are any more than it did for that widow who lost her only son. You are still good. And you showed up in her story. And God, I believe that even when we are going through traumatic events, Lord, you are gonna show up in our stories and do good. So God, I pray, Lord, that we would all come to that point of just crying out to you, saying, Jesus, I need you. I need your goodness in my life right now, right here and right now. And listen, if there's anyone here today who you would say, I am so far from God, there is, I, I don't even know how to get to the table, let alone like taste of God's goodness. I, I don't even know how to get to the table. Jesus made it really clear. You are welcome at the table. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, how long your brokenness has been in effect, how many other people you have hurt and broken along the way. He says, the table is open for you. Come. If there's anybody here today who says, man, I'm so far from God, but I need his goodness. Open your heart to him today. Receive of his gift of salvation that you don't deserve, but he freely gives. We've all been there. Take that step. And if that's you here this morning and you're like, man, I need Jesus. I need his goodness. Now, I wanna just agree with you. So take the bold step of like opening your eyes, looking at me, and then like just waving at me long enough where I get, like I can agree with you and say, okay, yep. Today, who wants to just open their hearts to Jesus, to his goodness? Receive something from him. Yeah, I agree with you, man. His goodness available to you. Yeah, bro. His goodness is yours. Friends, I'm so thankful to be here with you and to celebrate his goodness. Church, you are loved. God loves you. I love you. Be well. Be good.